0: What's good? What's going on? Welcome back to another episode of the Haven Podcast, powered by SB Nation. You can find us at Hogshaven.com, at Hogshaven on Twitter and on Facebook. I am your host, Molly Mall. Jamal Forrest, you can find me on Twitter, at LetMall. Tell it to not forget to you. You know what time it is, man. It's a game day preview. Game preview. It ain't no game day. Game preview, man, between the Commanders and the Cleveland Browns. Apologies for no show in the middle of the week. Um, if you all listened to the last one, um, post game Niners. You know, I wasn't feeling too good. You know, um, got sick. I'm still actually kind of recovering, and you know, middle of the week, I was not sounding good enough to do any type of show. <laughs> so, um, you know, apologies if you were expecting the the, the, the review, uh, midweek review, or whatever. But um, wasn't able to get to it. So apologies, but you know, illness is an illness, can't do nothing about it. Anyway, we're good enough to push through today. On the show today, we have Noah Weisskopf, uh, who covers the Cleveland Browns for Sports Illustrated. I actually just got that job, um, within like the last 24 hours. So he was able to stop through the driver Die podcast and, um, do an interview. And, and, and let us know everything and all things Cleveland um, and what we can expect heading into the game uh, this Sunday. So uh, with that being said, man, happy new year to everybody. You know, it's, it is coming around the corner and it's not there yet, but happy holidays because the next time you hear from me, is going to be post game Cleveland. So let me get that out of the way. Happy new year. Happy holidays. Appreciate everybody. Again, I don't, I don't know all the faces. I don't know all the names. I don't know anything. I just know we have listeners. <laughs> Appreciate everybody who's been rocking with us. Um, From start to finish of this season, man, Um, I've enjoyed every second of uh, covering the commanders and speaking on the mic, uh, talking to you all uh, for Hogs Haven's um, podcast as well. And um, I'm looking forward to building and developing this thing um, moving forward. But appreciate everybody who's tuned in and and the faithful listeners. Appreciate the casual listeners. Appreciate people who are, you know, just spending some time with the Hogs Haven side, man. Um, It's definitely appreciated and all those things. So here's to one season. Um, and we got several more seasons to go. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to the future uh with everybody. So happy New Year's. Um, and hope everybody is able to spend some time with their family, uh, was able to spend some time with their family during this holiday season. Um, and, and just uh catch up to what's more uh important and all things that's important to them as well. So all that being said, hit that subscribe button if you have not done so just yet, man. If you have not left a rating or a review just yet on apple or spotify we definitely appreciate that as well um and yeah that's about it for us um on that side let's get into the game uh i'll be quick on the front end and we'll get to Noah. but i think we all knew and and especially if you listen to the podcast we all knew that it was just a matter of time until <laughs> they, they moved on from Taylor Heineke to Carson Wentz. Like, that's obviously the biggest story throughout the middle of the week, um, which we wasn't able to talk about. But I think we all knew um, the minute that Carson Wentz was active and backing up Taylor Heineke, it was a matter of time until Taylor messed up in the eyes of the coaches where they said, we just can't do it. We can't do it anymore. um, And that opportunity for the coaches uh, came at the ninth minute or the, the, with nine minutes left, tried to be clever and it didn't work. <laughs> uh, with nine minutes left in the fourth quarter, they put T- uh, Taylor Heineke on the bench and and replaced them with Carson Wentz. So I still thought it was an odd time, but I think like when you understand that it was anything in every, like any, any slight issue with, with Taylor in that moment that the game was starting to pull away from him, um they was going to give Carson Wentz that opportunity to warm that arm up to get back into the flow of the game because they're going to use him down the stretch and one of the articles that I wrote after coming out of the bye week was that this four game stretch for Taylor Heineke was going to be the biggest of his career and I, I honestly think that's true and I thought that was true at the moment um and I still think it's true today I just think it's an opportunity that was wasted um and and he was behind the eight ball and, and, and what I mean by that is, like, any slight uh, semblance of of Taylor Heineke messing up, whether it's missed opportunities from his throws or throws that he didn't make, turnovers, sacks, um, any slight, like he was behind the eight ball because they were itching to get Carson Wentz back in the game, which, like, made this uh, increase the sense of urgency for for Taylor just to perform well and to, to not have any lag in his performance. And, and what I mean by that is um, that opportunity for Taylor, if you had that four-game stretch where all eyes are on you, starting in that that New York game, right, if all eyes are on you and you're the leader of a team that's granted a playoff spot, even after that loss against um New York out of the bye week, you were still in the playoff spot. Now you're fortunate Washington is not. This ain't a Taylor thing now. Washington is fortunate to still be in a playoff spot because of all of the losses that occurred during the week in which they lost to San Fran. Like, now the opportunity shifted into Carson Wentz's favor, right? And we'll talk about that in a second. Back to Taylor, you were granted and, and put yourself in position from a team standpoint and from uh, the time that you took over, right, right? To be in a position to hold a playoff spot down and lead Washington into the playoffs for a person who is entering free agency, for a person who is um, at the end of the day, y'all can say what y'all want about Taylor in terms of like he fits best in Washington, but like the goal is to win, like some people have different objectives in in sports and, and especially professional sports. Like, I'm not speaking from a person with experience, but I'm speaking from a person who has been uh, following the league and following professional sports for a long time. So some people do it for money uh, to set their families up for life. Some people do it for their kids. Some people do it for their family. Um, Like I, like I mentioned, some people do it just to win. Some people do it for a combination of everything. And there's a motivational factor behind Taylor Heineke playing these games. Right. And again, the four game stretch was something where Taylor could have used this to his advantage to parlay it into something big in the offseason for him. That doesn't mean he's going to sign a $20 million contract, a AAV contract for a team, right? Like nobody's gonna go out of their way to pay Taylor Heineke that much money, right? I'm not saying that. But I am saying this is a person who was making $2 million a year on his last year of his contract, who can obviously parlay this success, this four-game stretch of success into. Uh, a seven or eight million dollar contract with an opportunity to compete for some starting position elsewhere so for people who are trying to downplay the fact that look taylor wants to stay here because he's familiar with the coaches or like they think that that's what he's thinking shoot give him an opportunity watch watch we did hit free agency if things worked out in his favor I, I guarantee you he wouldn't be here in washington or maybe washington maybe pays up and say you can be our bridge quarterback like one or the other I'm telling you that would have been his, that that was his opportunity to really showcase what he could do for for other teams in the NFL, all 31 teams in the NFL. That was his audition opportunity. Um and it and he fell short at the end of the day. I think um even on that first drive, man, uh like I thought t- like people said that Taylor had one of his ber- best best halves of football like against the 49ers in that first half and I I don't disagree. I disagree to an extent, excuse me. Um but I think it was really good for Taylor, but there were still some missed opportunities um throughout that game. And I think ultimately, um, for example, like the, the pass to Jahan Dotson um that he dropped, Jahan Dotson dropped. Let's get that out of the way first. But in the instance in which you know you're and it's a cover one safety who is rolling and, and giving some extra attention to Taylor, I mean, excuse me, Terry McLaurin. Um, that single high safety, right? And that cover one, when it's man all up front and you have a single one single high safety. That single high safety rolls to Terry's side, who's running a corner route, and you have Jahan Dotson open essentially immediately. And Taylor is late getting off of Terry to, to find Jahan. Like, even if he's late, right? He Like, he's, he he underthrows Jahan. Um, luckily, the cornerback loses where the football is and loses Jahan, right? So that's where the opportunity for on Jahan's side to make that catch, and he, he scores if he makes that catch, right? But if you just lead the man in stride, like, that is a touchdown nonetheless. You don't have to worry about Jahan Dotson having to adjust and look back into the sun and, and, and hope that he catches it, right? So I say that to say that was, like, the, the big missed opportunity up front. That was a culmination of Taylor and Jahan, not just one side or the other, but Taylor had a – he had a part in that as well. Um, There were some other missed opportunities throughout the day, um, like processing uh the, the touchdown to Terry McLaurin that was in traffic, right, um, we all know about it at this point The the post was wide open, um, the mid post towards the back of the end zone, um, to, to, to Jahan Dotson. he missed that initially. Um, and luckily it was a touchdown to Terry, uh, that was a tough catch in traffic, but you're asking him to make a tough catch when the, the easier read was <laughs> to, to Jahan and you have to kind of process that. So, uh, I, I talked a lot about, you know, Taylor's situation. And again, like I said, a missed opportunity for him uh, in a situation where Washington really granted him several opportunities, not purposefully, right. He's come in, uh, out of an emergency situation in 2020. Um, your starting quarterback got hurt in 2021 and then your starting quarterback got hurt in 2022. Those are, and, and, and his first, his very first opportunity was because your, your rookie or your, your, um, Dwayne Haskins, I don't know why cuz your second year quarterback, sorry, second year quarterback was just playing poorly, so he got benched. Um so it was all because they had to go to him and they had no other option because he was either the backup or the emergency player. So that's kind of how that thing worked out and for several opportunities that he was granted, he showed up. Um like make no mistake, he he still um provided value to the team and provided value to the offense, that's the reason why his players um the coaches have respect for him the players have a lot of respect for him um but i want to make this clear like people who think that you know they're going to lose the locker room over a situation like this uh that is that is fool's goal the ultimate goal here is to win the ultimate goal here is to make the playoffs for these players like that is something that they're chasing right you're 0-2-1 <laughs> in the last month of football you're 0-2-1 like at the end of the day and, and to be honest with you, even during that win streak, right, it was just a matter of time and people knew that. Like, people knew it was a matter of time until the offense ends up getting in the team's way of being successful. Like, from a winning standpoint, it was just a matter of time. And now, again, now you're facing that 0 one stretch after being so hot over an eight-week time, time span, right? Um, Players aren't tripping about Taylor Heineke not starting if they if they feel like it's time for a change. uh, And even if they... Don't feel like it's time for a change. Like, that's not going to fully upset the locker room if the offensive production, uh, if they have some foresight. So I don't think I don't agree with people who think that's such a big deal that Taylor is being benched because he has so much respect for or players have so much respect for him and things like that. The ultimate goal is to win. and Players understand that players understand the ultimate goal. Uh, You can still have respect for a player uh and they not start for you. And just because they have so much respect for one player doesn't mean they don't have respect for Carson Wentz and they don't appreciate Carson Wentz. Like that is that is fool's gold too. Like, don't believe it's only one or the other. Like, that's just never the case. And in terms of Carson Wentz, as we transition, because that was a lot of time on Taylor and his situation. We gave a lot of attention to him just now. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's a mulligan. And I'm looking forward to seeing how this mulligan works out. I said this on the Trapper Die podcast last night that um i I love redemption stories. Generally speaking, I'm not sitting here saying that. Uh, and I always root for the underdog. I love underdogs. And I'm not sitting here saying that. Um, I want Carson Wentz to be the f- future franchise quarterback for Washington. Like I don't know what the future franchise quarterback looks like for Washington at all. Um, but I, I, I'm in a space where I want a conclusion to the story. Like they gave him. They, excuse me. Let me be clear. Meaning the Indianapolis Colts gave him two opportunities at the end of the season against Oakland or Las Vegas and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Right. And he dropped the ball as well as his team did, um, especially in that Jaguars game where they got their, they got their ass whooped like top to bottom, both sides of the football. Right. And like all of the blame was casted on him. Like that is the consensus around the league. That is the consensus even with Washington fans and obviously clearly Indianapolis fans like he dropped the ball, and now you're granted two more opportunities, or excuse me, you're granted one more opportunity with two more games left in another environment, right? Where your roster, from your weapon standpoint, is is much more developed than um, than than Indianapolis. Respect to Jonathan Taylor, who is one of the best running backs in the NFL. Respect to him, but from a collective standpoint, you have a better roster uh, in, in terms of weaponry that you can utilize to your advantage right now you are in a position where you have a little bit more time and you had a little bit more time to understand the playbook, to understand your hot reads, to understand uh, from your pre-snap understanding of coverages, where you should go with the football uh, and and play a little bit quicker, right? Play a little bit more instinctively, right? Like you have an advantage now with so much time that you had to understand and learn the playbook from being on the sideline and from being uh, out of the game, just from a spectator. Like now you had that, those mental reps, right? And I think he showed what those mental reps looked like on that first drive with the San Francisco 49ers. I think that's where everything was like the test for him to see how he handled certain things. And he looked, he looked quick and he almost had a turnovers, right? He almost threw an interception in the red zone, but from a collective standpoint and from each, every, each and every individual rep itself, like a solo rep within itself, You see that he's processing quicker or he's processing fast. I'm not going to say quicker than he did when he started uh, the first six games, but I'm just saying you see that he's playing quick. And that's good. And that first drive was important because that's where the starters were in. Um, That's where they were sending heat. That's where they were doing their man coverages. Um, They were sending man pressures. And Carson Wentz was finding a way to get rid of the football. So that redemption story, man, is is huge, But It's a huge storyline. It's a huge opportunity for Carson Wentz. Who has a who has a chance to make a name for himself once again um, in a situation where people aren't all in on him? How do you how do you come out of this if you Carson Wentz? Are you going to be that dog that 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 reminds people? Hey, I was that number two overall pick for a reason, or number one. I don't know what it, I don't remember what it was, but I was that top two <laughs> overall pick for a reason. I'm about to make some shake. I got Terry on my side. I got Jahan on my side. I got B Rob in the backfield, Antonio Gibson, who's hurt and may not even play against the Browns. But I got these dogs with me. I know I got to maneuver through this offensive line, but but they're gonna do enough. And if they don't do enough, I'm gonna make some shape. Regardless, like this is his opportunity to to tell everybody and to let everybody know that I'm still, I'm still that dog and i I still should be respected in this league like don't count me out so that's important as well from his perspective understanding the opportunity that he was granted and that he is granted now with two games left in the season can you get your team into the playoffs but also something that i think about as well is like the percent chance that you know this opportunity parlays him into staying in washington um if you think about the future and i think we can talk about this more in depth. I'm not going to go too far into it, but you can talk about this more in depth down the line um, in terms of what his opportunities look like. Uh, But when you think about like free agent quarterbacks or, or options in the, in the offseason, like obviously Washington needs like with this season, you know, unfolding the way it has, you see that they need help of quarterback. Um, If if Carson Wentz plays better than Taylor Heineke, um, we don't have to say drastically better. Like, significantly better but if he plays better than taylor heineke um and then also he plays they they parlay into a playoff playoff berth and he plays well in the playoff game or games in in uh in the playoffs then you're looking at a person who can like you don't have to worry about you know who your bridge option could be if you're looking to develop sam Howell or even draft a quarterback um in 2022 i mean excuse me 2023 or, or 2024 like Carson Wentz is going to be your guy until you know you're ready to move on. Um, and, and the only reason why I mentioned Carson is because that could be beneficial to Washington because you don't have to worry about spending more resources, uh, through free agent money or trading for a quarterback. Hopefully, not Derek Carr. Um, I don't need them trading for any Derek Carrs out there. Uh, and if that was on your mind, let it go. <laughs> do not do not get all googly out over Derek Carr he is not a person you should be thinking about let that go um but that's my point like if Carson plays well it benefits Washington because you don't have to spend too much money in free agency you can restructure Carson Wentz's deal right you don't have to spend any money in free agency on quarterback you don't have to trade for a quarterback um and spend spend and, 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 and get rid of assets for a quarterback right That's that's all important. You don't have to do any of that. You keep Carson, you keep Sam, and maybe you look for a middle round or maybe a second or third round quarterback in 2023, or you just keep what you have in in, in Sam and Carson in 2023 and then reevaluate again after that season. And at the end of the day, what it does is just saves you resources and you you have to pony up. Again, this is all on an assumption, too, that, you know, Ron Rivera's around because Carson is Ron's guy. Um, and he's the person who brought him in here. So if Carson is around, that means Ron is around because a new owner, you know, they may not be, you know, pleased with the current situation at head coach or even the, the whole coaching regime. Which means that the whole coaching regime is gone. Odds are, you looking at new quarterbacks. <laughs> Sam's going to be around because he's a rookie. I mean, excuse me, he's under a rookie contract. But in terms of your starter and in terms of your head coach, yeah, you ain't you ain't think about that. Like ain't, they ain't about to be around. <laughs> so yeah, that's that, man. Um, keys to the game. Uh, like there's so much more to talk about, but like. These conversations can't d- get discussed too much in depth until you know you see Carson Wentz play a little bit more, and and that's why you know you transition to these keys because this is his this is his biggest test, his most immediate test. In the Cleveland Browns, I don't think the Cleveland Browns are folding at all. If you've been looking to looking straight to Dallas, I'm um, looking over at Cleveland. um That's a big mistake. Uh I think that especially if you've been paying attention throughout the week, you know that Deshaun Watson um and his four games back hasn't looked good uh from an overall standpoint but he has been playing better um over the last week or two and what that means is like the chemistry is starting to develop and, and 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 grow within that offense obviously we know the run game is still there right so i think the biggest thing for washington especially if benjamin st juice is questionable like he may not play somebody have to have eyes on njoku and amari cooper at all times like Somebody has to step up and make some plays because that middle of the field and Cam Curl, like, I think Cam Curl is going to be back, which is huge for the defense. You can't have – you can't not have Cam Curl and Benjamin St. Juice. Like, that is that is a huge, huge problem for Washington's defense, right? But if you got to protect that middle of the field, you got to have some help with Cam Curl um, being back, but also Benjamin St. Juice. Somebody has to be able to cover Amari Cooper. Um, all eyes need to be on Amari. That's the biggest thing. Um, Donovan people Jones is okay, but you know the biggest um, and most important factor in that Cleveland Browns pass game is going to be Amari Cooper. Um, and we know all too well what Amari can do through his time in Dallas uh, as well. He had he had some really big games against Washington while he was there. So you need to have eyes on Amari Cooper at all times. Do not allow him to get going with Deshaun Watson. That's the that's one of the biggest keys. I have three. Um, the next one is obviously stopping the run. Um, yes. Washington has a good run defense, but yes, Washington is going up against one of the best uh, rush offenses in the NFL. They have a solid offensive line as well. Um, You have to, you have to take that into account when you have a good offensive line as well as running backs and not just one or the other. Um, You have to take into account that these guys, uh, it's an evenly matched type of type of matchup. So you have to be on all your keys. You have to make sure you're in your run fits. You have to make sure you're in the right position. Um, you have to make the tackle on a guy like Nick Chubb. Like Nick Chubb is a big back. But that man run four three. Now maybe slicing it, but he's clearly a fast back and he has a second gear. At that size, which is incredible. So stop the run. Um, that's the first. Those are the first two keys is is obviously on, uh, that side of the football. The Commanders' defense, like that's going to be the key because Washington wins games by their defense, right? And that's kind of where you are um, understanding, you know, the situation for Washington lastly my third key for washington now we flip to the offense stick to what you know that means establishing the ground game even if antonio gibson who is a little bit banged up may not be playing jonathan williams jared patterson elevate him because jd mckissick is a little hurt too you need some help behind brian robinson get these guys involved have a solid rotation get some help uh, off of b rob's back because he just went through the ringer against the san francisco 49ers right? but get these guys involved. Um, and I think that's the biggest key uh, is is obviously establishing, sticking, sticking to what you know, excuse me, establishing that ground game against the Cleveland Browns defense who really struggled in the interior. Um, and you'll hear that from kind of, you'll, you'll hear that from Noah as well um, Hear that the, the situation from Cleveland is like that interior defensive line is just not it. So if you stick to what you know, um, establish that ground game regardless of who's at quarterback, right? You'll have some success uh, against the Cleveland Browns. You will have success against Cleveland Browns because you'll be able to open up that pass game as well off a play action, which is what uh you know everybody believes Washington was essentially trying to get to. Um, and they really haven't been effective in the play action game uh, because they haven't been able to marry the run game and the run success with the play action and. Those are really simple keys because, look, we're in week 17, y'all. Like, things are really simple for Washington at this point. You have your identity, stick to what you know, and 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 go from there. Like, there is no playing tricks. Scott Turner can't afford to have another New York Giant game where, you know, you're trying things out that doesn't, you know, that's not in your, your toolbox for this team that you, this current team that you have. Stick to what you know. Stick to what you know, man, and trust yourself. Trust, trust how you got in this position in the first place. Because if you can't trust what you got, uh, trust how you got here, then, like, what good of a coordinator are you? Like, what, what is your identity? You know your identity for this team. That that is, quarterback, that is quarterback proof. Run the football. Try to get some play action. Find out what play action type of things work. And, like... You'll get your shot, please. You'll have some ways of being explosive with the receivers that you have on your team. I'm not even focused on tight ends. This entire tight end group, this entire year from a past game standpoint has been underwhelming. Um, I think Logan Thomas time and Washington is done. And uh they need some type of explosiveness at that tight end position. I think Cole Turner, Amari, Amari, Amari Rogers, Amani Rogers jesus christ um can help you but i mean that's not in 2022 they haven't used cole turner to the extent in which i would appreciate and i'm gonna do some film work in the all season to see what he really looked like this year but um yeah like that's just and obviously he's been hurt too so that's kind of gotten his way but yeah like it's the receivers it's your receivers obviously protecting carson wentz is important as well miles Garrett's on the other end he's going to break havoc. Um, all across the defensive line, whether he's on the edge, interior, stunning inside, all that stuff. He's going to wreak havoc. Um, You have to find a way <laughs> to get doubles on him. You have to find a way to slow his momentum down before it even gets started and go from there. Um, My prediction for Washington's game against Cleveland, I do think that Washington wins. I think it's 21-19, I believe. Uh, I think it's going to be a close game, a very close game. Uh, but I wouldn't be, I'm telling you all night, right now, I wouldn't be surprised if Washington loses. I would not be surprised at all if Washington loses. Um, so keep that in mind. Uh, this is not going to be a late, uh, cake cakewalk type of game. Um, I don't think Carson is going to drastically improve this offense from a scoring standpoint. But I do think if he's three touchdowns better, or excuse me, if he's 21 points per game, as opposed to Taylor and Washington 17 points per game, I think you're in good shape moving forward, Um, but we'll see. Um, Up next, Noah Weisskopf, Cleveland Browns, Browns Digest through Sports Illustrated. He's up next, man. Enjoy your weekend, uh, and I will talk to you all after the game. Peace. Let's go ahead and get Noah in here because AJ said something really good, and I was actually starting off my questions um, with this one, so let's go ahead and get Noah in here. Uh, As I said, everybody, um, Noah Weisskopf, uh covers the browns for browns digest under sports illustrated noah man appreciate you joining us today how you doing boss man
1: i'm good how are you guys thanks for having me
0: absolutely i'm good man i can't complain um are you a student at ohio state uh i yep okay how's that how's that life going for you man i i know y'all have have you did you go to the um the was the michigan ohio state game at it was at the horseshoe right yeah it was at ohio state um yeah i was there not much else to
1: say to be honest
0: yeah, I'm going to leave it no, alone. No I was just <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm a, I'm not even going down that line. I'm I'm not a Michigan fan or anything. Just just curious, man, cuz it's it's big game. Uh, you know what I'm saying? It's what over 100,000 people at the stadium, I'm sure it's pretty just the experience is probably pretty good. But and they could face each other again? You never maybe. know. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Um, okay. All right. So, let's go ahead and get into it, man. So, like I said, uh AJ it started this thing off with a really a really good point and it, it was something that was on my mind as well. Um, I, I want to understand Cleveland's situation just a little bit more. And, and from a Washington perspective, uh, the commanders essentially has to win out in there in the playoffs, right? Noah, um, Lincoln should have gone one and one uh, but winning out is the answer. Um, I've come across some fans over the course of the week who are already just looking to the Dallas game, who Washington plays in week ex- week 18, overlooking Cleveland. But my idea of understanding who Cleveland is and understanding the situation that they're in They acquired Deshaun Watson in the offseason. Deshaun Watson has only played four games so far. They want to see and they want to show people that Deshaun Watson works in this offense and that he works with uh, Kevin Stefanski. Secondly, Kevin Stefanski is on the verge of missing the playoffs two straight seasons after that, what, 11-5 rookie rookie year for him and and beating Pittsburgh in the playoffs as well. I don't think Cleveland is going to fold down the stretch. Um, And I think that this is going to be a tough game for Washington. To what degree, I don't know. But I don't think Cleveland is folding at all. How far am I off off on that approach for Cleveland? Well, let me tell you something first. The Browns are already eliminated,
1: mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. So they are not playing for a playoff spot. They are simply playing to ruin Washington's chances. And to be completely honest with you, um, that might be more of a dangerous situation for Washington than it would be if they're still playing for the slightest of chances, if they need all these other things to to happen for them to make it in. So yeah, they're 100% done. And David Njoku even, I think it was earlier today at his press conference said, um, look, we're just going to go in there and give Washington hell. That's all we can do. And that's all they're going to try and do.
0: Yeah, that's, um that and, and that's like one of the, the things that I was thinking about is, is David Njoku. He made those comments Uh, like is where did things kind of go wrong this year? And when I think about um, Jacoby Brissett, like being that bridge spot until uh, Deshaun comes back, and um, just the defense at one point, like thought that was that was going to be a staple for that side for that team. And obviously, we know about the run game that goes unquestioned. Um, Where did things just start going wrong throughout the course of this season? Uh, I had friends on this on this show on all thirty-two, like my my other show, uh, Trapper Dive. they, They had Cleveland as as a Super Bowl contender. Like it wasn't it wasn't a far fetched idea, and, and now we're here in in week sixteen or week seventeen, and uh you know things are here. So what, what what was the story of the Cleveland Browns?
1: Yeah, look on the defensive side of the ball, they just were not able to get things going. They from the from week one were not able. They were having a lot of miscommunication issues, um, player to player on the field could not figure out who, who was supposed to be where, and that took weeks on weeks on weeks for them to figure out. And by the time they figured that out, Watson came back. And um, the Browns had expected him to be rusty coming out of the gate. And to say he was rusty would honestly be an understatement. His first game (laughs) against Houston, um, he was just putting balls into the ground. Um, So the Browns were not expecting Jacoby Brissett to come in there and lead them to uh, eight, nine, ten wins on an 11 game suspension. They were expecting him to just do his job, sort of like what they expected out of Baker Mayfield. Um, And he led the Browns with a top ten offense in the NFL. Um, but of course they, they just couldn't play complimentary football when the offense was doing fine, the defense couldn't get their communication issues. And then when the defense fixes that up, Watson comes back and now he has to knock off Russ. So it just never really aligned for them.
0: Um, That is, I mean, that's interesting. And, and I guess with the Watson part too, like has those four games to this point, has it swayed your opinion on the trade at all? Or is it something where you're like, as you said, you, you said they kind of expect him to be rusty, but, like this is, is different. Like, has it, has it swayed your opinion at all?
1: It hasn't. And I know there's a lot of fans on Twitter that I've been seeing, like it's going to go down as the worst trade in NFL history. And and that that kind of stuff is just getting a little out of hand in my opinion. But um, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, Watson, they were not expecting him to come out and just start slinging the ball around and be back to where he was in 2020 when he led the NFL in passing yards. Um, he came back and it was, it was a slow process. But I, I mean, as as he continues to play, he's been showing slim, like just small glimpses of who he was as a quarterback, and that's why a lot of fans think that Washington should be on edge this weekend, yeah, uh, because he's starting to get back in his rhythm, and now that they have nothing to play for, he's just going to be able to do his thing with no pressure on his shoulders, and then try to get some momentum and bring it into
0: twenty twenty three. And that's a good point too, like the chemistry part, just understanding like how he's going in that offense to this point. How how. Are you able to kind of see it from your perspective? Are you able to kind of see how things have gotten better from a week-to-week standpoint? What What does that look like? And It's just as simple as Amari Cooper running a slant around over the middle and Watson throwing up behind
1: him at the start, and now it's just in stride. And he's really finding a good connection with Donovan Peoples-Jones as well, who was a sixth-round pick but is producing for the Browns. And the Browns- yeah. him. And um, He's your punt returner too, right, uh, Peoples-Jones? That, through the middle of the season, he started um, taking That pun- boy talented, man. One of his first puns, uh, punt returns in game, um, he took to the house against the Texans. So mm-hmm. yeah, Browns love him, and Watson is finding a groove with Amari Cooper, with Donovan Peoples-Jones, and even today Amari Cooper and Watson both said, you know, they're going to be together all offseason working and getting their chemistry down um, to make a run next year.
0: When when you think about just from the I, – I am going to bounce around just a little bit, but when you think about the, the head coach as well from Stefanski – um first I guess well I'll start off from the top like what is your opinion on Stefanski at this point um do you have um like are you in favor of him returning like because I know there was questions just understanding like your tweets over the past few days there was some question he got reassured that he's coming back but like was there some serious questions about him not returning uh in 2023
1: yeah there were among fans um I don't know how much of a how much like debate there was within the organization to be honest with you, I, I don't think it was ever a question that he would be out as head coach. I think that the plan all along was to do as best you can this year. And then over an offseason, you get to plan an offense around Deshaun Watson and tweak however you might might want. And he'll have a full year next year with him. And um, if if, they, if stuff starts going downhill next year, then he'll absolutely be on the hot seat. And if they have a season like Russell Wilson did with Hackett this year, he'll be gone before the end of the season next year.
0: All right. Um, all right well, what about... Your actual opinion, Mike, um, obviously you're, you're given what you think What you think will happen, but are you in favor of Stefanski, or are you someone who who has your questions about his capabilities?
1: I think a little bit of both, but at the same time, play calling is, ob- is an obvious issue that we've seen over the past few weeks with um, Stefanski, and a mm-hmm. full offseason to try to get that together. They're going to make staff moves, so maybe a new defensive coordinator, which doesn't affect the offense as much, but an offensive coordinator they might move to. But I'm not sure – how beneficial it would be for Deshaun Watson, who's in his prime, Nick Chubb, who's in his prime, Miles Garrett, who's in his prime, how beneficial it would be to bring in a new a new head coach and then try to fix everything in an offseason to hope that it works out. I mean, Stefanski's first year, he won coach of the year here, but yeah. every head coach their first year finds success like we saw with Hackett.
0: Yeah. Um. That's interesting. So I, I think about kind of like actually one thing um miles garrett on the defensive side of the football uh obviously he's no like ain't no quit in miles garrett um and and also just understanding like the competitive nature from the browns just hearing it from this week and and obviously from david and joku as well um and just hearing from you as well like these guys are going to be taking these next two games seriously um very seriously um in in the, the immediate game in washington miles garrett was benched last week right um and he was benching the first series uh is that something like is there a serious situation behind that or is that more so just an incident that that caused that to happen
1: yeah i don't i don't think it's anything too serious my understanding was that there was some sort of miscommunication he went to a team doctor he came down with an illness he went to a team doctor on monday and the doctor at the at brown's headquarters had diagnosed him with whatever he had And then there was some sort of miscommunication between him and the team because he missed practice on Wednesday and Thursday. Um, So there was something that went wrong there that resulted in a fine and um, him missing the first series on Sunday, which at the time I I thought was pretty interesting because the Browns had playoff slim, slim playoff hopes before that game on Sunday. And to bench your best player just seemed a little concerning. But as stuff continues to unravel, I don't think it was too big of a deal. And he should be back out there. Um, from the first snap on Sunday and probably with a chip on his shoulder with everything going on in the
0: media about people saying that he skipped and all this different stuff. Yeah. Um, all right. So, like, uh, you you mentioned the miscommunication issues defensively. Um, where's your head at with that front seven? Uh, I, I think Washington's, like, their biggest issue outside of, like, finding the answer at quarterback is the fact that their offensive line is just completely – it has failed them, like just flat out. It failed it failed them this year, um, in in Washington from a a, mar- a macro perspective. That you know, from a Cleveland side, you're not really going to fully understand. But Washington head coach banked on knowing his personnel and, and trusting his his scouting and, and, and the offensive line. Just it, it just went the wrong way. What about that front seven for Cleveland? Is is this something where you look at this matchup in Washington and you say that? all right, if if there's one thing that I trust on the defensive side of the football for Cleveland is that, that they'll be able to create some havoc or cause some issues for Washington's offensive line. Um,
1: front seven-wise, I know from the beginning of the season the Browns knew that they had two strong edge presences in Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney. Um, but their interior, they came into the season with a question mark, and they have not done much to fix that. They wanted to see some of their young guys, and if they could – evolve into something that they could see long-term and that has not been the case uh Jordan Elliott and the inside and Taven Bryan just have not got it this year for the Browns their issues one the game but they know they'll have a strong outside presence with Miles and Clowney should play but he practice today with an illness after returning finally yesterday with a concu- uh, concussion so mm-hmm. he should be back out there given this illness isn't too serious but um yeah the interior has been a struggle and then the linebackers just injury depleted um mm-hmm. they've lost four linebackers to season ending injuries this year with jok is the most recent um sione takitaki jacob phillips and anthony walker who all got valuable time so those four guys are all done for the year and they just signed a <laughs> time actually, actually- and he had a he was the ra- highest-rated linebacker by PFF last week out of any linebacker all year with, like, a 91.7. So the, he's starting to raise a couple of eyebrows. But other than that, just injury-depleted linebackers and just the interior defensive line hasn't cut it at all. Who
0: who was the middle – who was the linebacker that you said 90, uh, 91 rating? I, I missed the name, my bad. name is Reggie Ragland. Oh, Reggie Ragland. Okay. Yeah. He was, was a – Alabama boy. Yeah. Yeah. I was yeah. like, okay, hold on now because he was a free at one point. I think people would look – watch this. I – No. No, Washington wasn't looking into him. I think I was interested in him. Um Okay, probably around draft time. I Was he in the Duran draft? He was in one of those drafts. We we was looking at him. We we've been
2: needing a linebacker for a while, but
0: yeah. Hell yeah, uh, we've been needing a linebacker for a while. Uh, what about <laughs> side note, JOK? Because you said he just recently got put on IR. What what is how has he turned out for you all? Because um, there was a large again this Washington thing. You not you don't you're not too familiar with, I'd imagine, but. There was a large debate that Washington should have drafted uh JOK as opposed to Jamin Davis. Um I think that was the same year both of those got drafted. JOK came out the gates on fire. Jamin Davis took a little bit of time to develop. Um he's he's turning the corner for the better. Like he's not up there yet, but like he's he's getting better. Uh what about JOK in Cleveland? Like, how, what's your thoughts on on him? How, is he is he underrated in the national spotlight or is he like where he's supposed to be?
1: Um, I said he's a little underrated. He is just an explosive guy. Like coming in to the Browns, he got a lot of comparisons to a guy like Fred Warner, who just can cover sideline to sideline and just speed around. Um, He's played really well for the Browns. Even his rookie year, he showed flashes and he got much better over the offseason and was one of the staples of this defense and then suffered a season-ending injury. But even during draft time, I think I feel like almost every NFL team, it was kind of like N'Kobe Dean this past year before the Eagles took him, it was just kind of like, why well, is he falling? There has to be something going on. And then they take him and the, the Browns just hoped that everything would uh, pan out and they didn't find anything. I think it was a heart issue. The teams had seen that they wanted to shy away from him, but the Browns did not see anything based on their, um, what they saw. So they took a chance on him and it
0: certainly paid out for him. Absolutely. Um so no, I appreciate your time. We got a, I got a couple more questions for you on my side. <laughs> Cleveland, offensively, um, one of the best ranked games out there, in my opinion. Uh, the offensive line, and I may be I may be off this year. I'm not sure, but um, I think the offensive line has is, is been one of the staples in Cleveland. And obviously, when you have an elite back in Nick Chubb out there, um, that does wonders for any quarterback. Who's who's leading the Cleveland Browns offensively? Um, how do you if you look at this this offense and, and you kind of understand like what they do well and, and the weapons that they have in, in the Browns and, and seeing how Washington uh stacks up against them? Like, is there a, a way that you think that um Cleveland can have some success or make some things hard on this this commander's defense who just gave up uh 37 points to the Niners?
1: Yeah, they do have a great offensive line. And It started off, the season started off, They, I mean, they had lost Nick Harris, who was their starting center um, in the preseason, and they plugged in a guy named Ethan Pochich, who they had signed to be a backup, and he started from day one and was just amazing, and he went down with an injury that caused him to miss a couple of weeks, and once he went down with that injury, the Browns ranked almost last in offensive line efficiency. Based on when he was there, they were up in the top five. Uh, So he just returned last week was his first game back. So he's back on that offensive line. But um, one minor concern is Jedrick Wills at left tackle. He missed two days. He missed yesterday and today in practice um, with a back injury. That was something Mm -hmm. that just popped up recently. Um, So if he's out, then you can expect James Hudson to be in there. Who's from Cincinnati. Uh, He's he's played pretty well, but they just locked up Jack Conklin on the right tackle do a contract extension and then they've still got Wyatt Teller um Joel Batonio and those kind of guys so the offensive line is solid and is they're going to give it their best shot against an elite uh commanders front uh front four
0: and Nick Chubb and uh Kareem Hunt both of them are playing right correct we got some action okay all right so 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 talk to me man who do you think wins this game and and why or how does it get done it's going to be close I really do think it's going to be close
1: and come down to the wire um Like, honestly, almost a toss-up to say who would win it. But, you know, I would take the Browns, to be honest with you, unless there's one circumstance. I think it depends solely on Carson Wentz and what he does from his first game back. If he comes out and is just slinging the ball around to all these different receivers and driving them down the field early, then the Browns will fall into some issues because they're going to have a hard time stopping James – or not James Robinson, Brian Robinson, I imagine, if they get down early. But if Carson Wentz is slow to start – and even in the halftime can't really get things going, then you might give the Browns one too many opportunities to get things going. Um, So I I would take the Browns, but I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be like
0: 24-21 type game. Oh, they go that 21-point thing I was talking about, Jerry. (laughs) Hey, hey, Ma, can I jump in real quick? Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh,
2: Noah, so – Uh, A lot of people without watching, you know, the Browns every game during the season will say that you have a perennial all pro in Denzel Ward at at cornerback. I don't really know how he's been playing overall this season, having watched too many Browns games. But is he playing to that that stature that we've been accustomed to knowing him being and and how are the other cornerbacks? Uh, I'm not quite sure. Who's on the other side? Of course, I know you guys have Greedy Williams. And, and um, damn, you guys did have a, a free agent cornerback pickup. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But how was your secondary in general, uh, especially the cornerbacks?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, Denzel Ward has not been playing like an uh, all-pro. I will say that. He hasn't had a bad season. He's been an above-average corner, um, but not as good as in past years. But I mean, he's still going to take he's still going to um, shadow or I don't know if he's going to shadow, but he'll still be right on Terry McLaurin. And those two Ohio State guys are going to go back and forth because they played with each other at Ohio State. So that'll be a fun matchup to watch. And then other than that, Greg Newsom, who has been having a pretty solid season and MJ Emerson is a rookie that they had drafted that has been a stud for the Browns. Um, he he was on Mike Evans for most of the game against the Buccaneers when they beat them in overtime and held him to zero catches and just was knocking everything away he's a big corner so I'm not sure if there's any commanders receivers that are tall or not I know Dotson's not that tall and I don't think scary scary Terry's tall at all but yeah, if they have a bigger the guy then Emerson's gonna gonna be on him I think he's six three, so he's been playing really well the corners themselves like individually haven't been bad but the secondary as a whole just hasn't been able to click and just play together
0: and Noah, before you leave, I just wanted to ask one question because one guy I've always been a fan of,
2: even though he played for a rival, was Amari Cooper. Um, talk about him and
0: what he's bringing to the Browns. I mean, I always feel like he's underutilized wherever he's at. Do you feel like that in Cleveland so far?
1: I don't know about underutilized. I think there's been a game or two this year, where he, towards the, more towards the beginning of the season, that he had like one or two catches in a game. But he's getting the targets he needs, um, and he has been solid. Like, he's just that re- reliable wide receiver that's going to be over the middle or you can take deep shots too. And he's going to, I mean, he's, in, he's a top 15 probably wide receiver in the league. He is He's legit. But I think for the Browns' sake, going into next year especially, they need, a, they need someone else if they want to make a run at it to bring in with Cooper. But this season solely, Cooper, especially given switching quarterbacks through the year, um, he's been really yeah. solid,
0: really solid. What is his numbers looking like? in cleveland amari is, oh he over a thousand seventy three catches a thousand yards uh seven tutties that's not too bad at all um okay all right um no <coughs> excuse me noah so i appreciate you joining us once again uh i want to give you the floor now just to plug anything and everything that you got going on where they can find you where they can read your work uh hear from you if you do audio as well man the floor is yours
1: Yes, so I'm on Instagram and Twitter is where I do my Browns reporting. It's at Browns with Noah. Um, A lot of minor stuff on Twitter and then just the major stuff over on Instagram. And you can find my old work now at dogpounddaily.com with Fansided. And today I took a job with um, Sports Illustrated and their Browns Digest page. So work will be there soon.
0: Congratulations, man. Uh it's are so I I you're in Ohio, so I'm assuming you're gonna eventually uh start reporting. Like, are you do you plan on doing any reporting work like on the at the facilities and practices and things like that?
1: Yeah, I've been around there a couple of times. Cool, once cool, it's cool, cool. It, it's gonna be more of a consistent thing once school's done. But you know, I'm in Columbus for a lot of the time, so it's a lot of back and forth.
0: Absolutely. Hey, so last thing, man, what you what's what's the eyes on um Ohio State knocking off knocking off Georgia, man. What's, yeah, to be honest, yeah. I have been back and
1: forth for like since they announced that game. I, it, it, at first, I was like, "All right, like there's no shot, like they're gonna get killed." But now, as we get closer, I think, like, I think I'm like optimism yeah, right. kicking in. Now I'm like, "All right, like no one's giving them a shot, really, nobody." And so, when everyone counts you out, kind of like the Browns Commanders this weekend, you said a lot of Commanders fans are just like, "We got to play Dallas." But when everyone counts you out, it, it just seems seems like it, it elevates an entire team. So we'll see. I think it'll be a good game.
2: Uh, I don't uh. know about that. Man. <laughs> 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 I mean, after what I've seen Michigan do to Ohio State, there's no way in hell they can compete with Georgia.
0: But they do got – they had a month to prepare too. So that's if, like – that's the thing in my –
2: That's a huh? downfall. That's a downfall for them. Like, <laughs> Georgia had a month to prepare as well, like – them dogs are rested, literally.
1: <laughs> <laughs> even though hey, even though Georgia didn't lose the game, they did have some struggles in the seat during the regular season. So
0: shoot. Hey, that LSU game, the championship, they that first half was crazy. LSU yeah. was moving the ball like it was nothing. And didn't they have a really good? score on Georgia, you have a chance. That's that's it. Didn't they
1: have like didn't they beat Kentucky like 16 to 3 or something like that?
0: Uh, I think so. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, I so. if, if if Ohio State wants to win. Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to have to be Marvin Harrison, <laughs> <Not> <laughs> Jr., but Marvin Harrison. Like, I mean,
0: take I, off. I, hope,
2: I hope for a good matchup because I mean, I already know the other game is not going to be remotely close in TCU and Michigan.
1: Yeah, I don't think so either. But Marvin Harrison, he like I've never seen a guy like that in college football. Like, I you literally throw it up to him in one on one coverage, and like he's going to bring it down seventy five percent of the time. Like he. He is
0: unbelievable. It's crazy that you say that, like not in a bad way, but y'all didn't had Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, um, and, and oh yeah, Jameis. No, no, I'm thinking of like the, the people who really like had some time on the field at Ohio State. And Jackson I mean, Smith and Jigba, who's playing yeah, right now, Rickford. like, like the way that they, these are all people who make crazy catches. And you're saying Marvin Harrison is that guy? That's good. Like, I'm glad that he's he's living up to the name.
1: And before the season, we all thought JSN, Jackson Smith Jigbo was going to be it. But he just injury after injury, he kept yeah. re- re-aggravating his hamstring. He's done. Like he's going to the draft. He's not playing at Ohio State anymore.
0: But... Well, one of these guys could come to the NFL version of them because you 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 send us a bunch of us. You got uh, Terry <laughs> Floyd, uh Chase Young, Curtis Samuel. We got a lot of Ohio State guys yeah. up here, so you know. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, and put the word in for them boys. Something make try go ahead, and make Let us have watch. Marvin Harrison Jr. too. We
2: can do <laughs> something. <for> he <them. laughs>
0: should be a top five pick. Like yeah, yeah. All right. Well, no man, appreciate you, big dog, and uh, good luck to your boys on Saturday, man.
1: Thank you, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys.